Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. Head over there for all your MMA news, live coverage podcast you know the drill had that triple g canelo podcast this weekend on fightfulboxing.com but i am joined today by showdown joe james lynch has the day off joe how you doing i don't know man like what in the heck's going on with my room again everything was perfectly fine until i get online with you and i start cutting weight again brother i don't know what's going on here i'm sweating it's pretty toasty here in kentucky too a lot of people A lot of people are surprised by that, but September is probably our hottest month. But my God, man, we got lots to talk about, including some really sad news. If you all don't mind, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe. We are available in podcast platforms everywhere. You can catch us on the go. You can catch us at FightfulPods.com. Any podcast platform you can think of, we are on this weekend. UFC Sao Paulo, we'll be talking about that. We'll talk a little bit about UFC Moscow. Uh, no live post show this weekend. I do have a prior obligation, but we will be covering UFC Sao Paulo next weekend. But Joe, this morning we were hit with some very, very unfortunate news. Just one month, less than one month really, after he announced that he was battling cancer, a Japanese MMA legend Kid Yamamoto passed away. Uh, your your memories and thoughts on that? Oh, I, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. Um <clears throat> running into kids so many different times, uh, not just covering the UFC back in the day, but, you know, all my time in Ryzen because he's got so many fighters that are competing uh, on the Ryzen events, uh, whether it's his nephew, Urson, or his sister, Miu. Um, you, you always saw kid. You always saw kid. Uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys that always kept to himself but always had that little smile when he would kind of walk by you. He'd kind of look at you and, you know, whether it was a wink or it was just like, you know, he, he acknowledges you, but he was always business and, you know, there to have fun and very, very passionate uh, about his nephew and his sister competing and all his crazy B team. So um, horrible, horrible, horrible news. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting this. I know when he made the announcement that, you know, he had cancer uh, and he wanted some privacy and he was going to beat this. He was going to fight this. Um, I talked to my, my people in Japan, various sources and stuff like that. And, you know, his spirits were up. 
uh, I wasn't expecting this at all. I was not expecting this news. I woke up this morning and, and, you know, it's weird because, you know, I've been waking up a little earlier than normal, naturally, not with the alarm clock. And I uh, woke up extra early today and I just said, OK, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and, and try and sleep, Sean. I'm just going to get up. And I grabbed my phone and walked downstairs to, to go make a coffee. And I just looked and boom, 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 boom. All this information about kid. I was like, what? What's going on here? And then, you know, I looked a little further and, you know, passed away. Rest in peace, uh, you know, and, and Godspeed to his family. Yeah, he came from a, a very athletic family. Had two sisters who were world champions uh, as wrestlers, and his father was an Olympian. And his status of celebrity in Japan in the mid two thousands was something very special. And he really was a pioneer, not necessarily an MMA pioneer. He started in the two thousands, but for the lighter weight classes that didn't exist before then. He competed throughout several of them, and although his UFC run was ill-fated and maybe not what he had hoped, he still it was still, I think, a big deal to get him into the UFC. Do I think they should have had him fighting in 2015, like three years after his last fight and after that run went bad? No, I don't, but I'm glad that he at least got to compete in the UFC and I tweeted last night, this really puts your your mortality in perspective. I mean, this guy was one of the biggest stars in Japan. He's gone at 41, and there's really nothing he could do about it. Uh, He still has wins. I mean, we talk, Joe, on this show about people who are in the UFC and still get put on main cards who have no wins over current UFC fighters. Yeah. Kid Yamamoto has a win over Ronnie Yaya. Yep. He's no Miriam longer Fernandez, with Miata, Sudo, Cal Uno. I mean, Hoyler Gracie, Gracie, Jeff Curran. I mean, this guy defeated the who's who back in the day. I know it was 2007, it was 10, 11 years ago, but this guy was one heck of a superstar. He is a pioneer, a pioneer for the smaller weight classes for sure. Yeah, and that was in front of like 40,000 fight with Yaya, which is supposed to be his retirement fight at the Osaka Dome. He wanted to go back and compete in the Olympics, but uh, in a way – kind of injured him and he wasn't able to do that it was an uphill battle anyway but it was that that heroes 2005 lightweight gp really launched him into the stratosphere and it's sad to see him go and definitely our condolences out to his friends family and fans he was in guam where he had been receiving treatment and passed away there but kid yamamoto passes away at the age of 41 on to some lighter news. Well, kind of. Did you see the interview that James Lynch did with Colby Covington? My <laughs> God. With his MAGA hat and the flag in the background. And I was like, oh boy. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh boy. But he was surprisingly lighthearted when it came to like Ronda Rousey. He really put her over and said a lot of nice things about her said that he wanted to be a WWE champion, but says he's got to take care of business in the UFC first. What do you make of that? Because obviously he has ties to wrestling. He was on Impact Wrestling last year. Dan Lambert's big into the business. But what what are your thoughts on that? Well, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but a year ago, Colby was ripping Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Now he's complimenting or, you know, doing what he has to do to make her look good sort of thing. And that is always a sign, technically speaking, of, hey, you know what? I've got an iron in the fire over here, and I've got to make sure that I, I make sure that it stays warm, it stays fine. 
I can sculpt it the way I need to. Let's not burn any bridges because Rhonda can help me probably do this and that. So I think Colby is doing an absolutely fantastic job of not only his, his UFC career, although it's kind of crazy what's happened now that he couldn't even get that title shot, but at the same time, taking care of business with the UFC while setting up his next career move, which could be in the WWE. I don't, I don't see why not. So I think it's good a, a good business strategy from Colby Covington. So, Joe, as you know, I do, I do my homework, and I talk to people within WWE on a daily basis, and I talk to several people that talk to Colby Covington backstage. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, what did what did he say about him talking to me? And the person said, you know what? It wasn't as fruitful as he would make it sound, but let him say whatever he wants. <laughs> yep. And I was like, all right, you guys recognize it. You guys get it. You guys understand it. He talked about meeting Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get political. I don't. I will not get political on this show. I say that for my my personal discussions. The way that he talks about Donald Trump is hilarious. Like in a previous in a previous interview, he had said something like, "You know, he's a lot bigger than I thought. I thought he was going to come at me." (laughs) Just a fool. I died, died when he said that. But um, he said that he left the title there with Donald Trump and said that Donald Trump talked about his his wrestling experience and pretty much admitted that he was a guy who got beat when he did wrestling at, when he was younger. But, yeah, Colby Covington uh, talked about a lot of different things on that. That I mean, we got a lot of content out of that. And uh, FightfulMMA.com, click that exclusives tab. You'll see it all. He called out Nick Diaz as well, saying that Nick Diaz probably doesn't want to fight him. I, to be honest with you, I'm probably picking Colby Covington in a fight against Nick Diaz. Well, at this point, yeah, because just yeah. at the time off that, that Nick's had, at the same time, Colby is like a Diaz brother. He pushes the pace nonstop. Yeah. And I think with him being in, you know, you can never say anyone's in better shape than a Diaz brother, but technically speaking, the the he's competed recently and it's a different ball game no matter how much you train but I, I i would pick colby over nick as well and that's a fight i would love to see absolutely i'd be open to it i think they need to make the, the woodley covington fight though i think that's the right fight to make it makes all the sense in the world it's just a matter of getting these guys to, to get on the same page and actually do it speaking of getting on the same page and doing it Yoanda Janjacek says that she's open to fighting Valentina Shevchenko, which is great. However, I've been seeing Megan Anderson on Twitter, who I like and respect. She's a wonderful woman, and I, I like her uh, the show she does with Laura Sanko. It's, uh, honestly, I'd like to, I'd love for Fightful to acquire that show. But she was saying, "Oh, there's a lot of 125ers that." that deserve this shot over Yoana. And I'm just thinking, even though, even Yoana with two straight losses, my, my first instinct is Duhois. Uh, Duhois. Nico Montano, the girl who did showed up 25 pounds over. Sajara Eubanks, we know that history. Roxanne Modafferi, lost. Okay, maybe. I know there's Caitlin Chikagan and stuff, but they need a fight like this to get people interested in the division. And Caitlin Chikagan hasn't exactly done herself any favors in making the UFC brass say, let me put her in a title fight. Well, who else is in that top five? Alexis Davis. Uh, she just lost to Chikagan. Liz Carmouche. I like Liz Carmouche. I like her, but 
she lost to Alexis Davis in December. So it's not as clear cut, I think, as as uh, Megan Anderson is saying. And I, you know what? I'm sure that Megan sees a lot of herself in some of these fighters in the division because much like her, a division was created that people looked for her to do well in and dominate. And she didn't get that first title shot. And then a Bantamweight came up and beat her. I like Megan Anderson, but man, I think this is the right fight. Shevchenko versus Joanna. Take the money while you can get it. As much as as we can probably say that there's a debate to be had here, I don't believe there's a debate to be had at all. Uh, And that's nothing against Megan Anderson at all. Zero. What I'm saying is this is, I mean, title fights, main event fights, pay-per-views, fight nights, main events, money fights. What is the money fight in this division? What will draw the most attention right now to this division? Um, Definitely, Johanna versus Shevchenko is the money fight. Facts. Title shot. Get her done. Put Megan Anderson on the same card. Same card against whomever. The winner gets the next title shot, provided that that first that that main event fight between these two uh, isn't overly controversial. But the, you can build this division. You can build it up accordingly. You can build challengers in this division. Put them all on the same card. Not all of them. Put at least four of them on the same card. Title fight. Contender fight. Done. Yeah. It makes sense. That's how you build it. That's how you get people interested in what's next and the division itself. Uh, this is the fight that needs to happen. I would agree. Uh, Jose Aldo says he wants to return later this year, but said that he almost took a fight against Donald Cerrone. Boy, that would have been fun. Yep. What do you think about Aldo versus Cerrone? And I mean, I would assume that means he would have fought at like 170, but I can't imagine that happening. So I would I would imagine that Cerrone probably would have cut to 155 to make that happen. I believe he would have cut to 155 in my opinion. If that fight, if that rumor is actually true and, and, and Jose is being honest, and by the way, I'd pick Aldo in that fight, obviously. I shouldn't say obviously, but I would pick Aldo in that fight no matter what. Um, that would be a fantastic scrap. That's a huge fight. Those are two names. Um It'd be really cool, though, if it was to actually happen, Sean, because although, technically speaking, let's say it was to happen at 155 and Donald would have to cut back down uh, to a division he had many, many, many fights in. Uh, has been a long, it's been a while, but many, many fights in that division. Jose moving up to 155 would be his debut uh, in the UFC at, or in general at 155. So that fight there, what would it mean um, technically for the winner, right? Like, forget about even putting the fight on. What, what, what kind of implications would that have for the division? I think it'd be a great move for Jose Aldo, a great fight for him to move up to 155, take on Cowboy, um, technically emerge victorious, and then see where he goes in that division if he thinks he still has time uh, to compete. He's not getting any younger. He's not a young guy. Jose's been around. He's got MMA mileage on him, and I don't see him emerging victorious at, at 145 against the likes of you know, the current champ and some of the top contenders, although in his last fight, you know, he may have proved us otherwise. But Max Holloway... Um, you know, there, there's a lot of business up at the top of that division. I think Jose should consider moving up to 155 anyway. And if he can score that Cerrone fight, although everyone's calling out Donald Cerrone, including some Russians uh, on Saturday. So other than that, get her done. Why not? Yeah, I think this would be more of an attraction fight. It's a, a fight you can put on at the end of a Fox card or an ESPN card now. And you know it'll be good. You know it'll be entertaining. And you know the people know these two guys. And that's not something that you always have the option of. But uh, I don't really want to see Cerrone fight at 155 again. I don't want to see him cut that weight. 
the, a 165 division is long overdue. So I, I would rather see that. We have Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kamaru Usman set. This is a fight that Kamaru Usman deserves, Joe, and I'm sure you agree. 100%. This is the fight. This is the big fight for him. This is the get a victory, and you're all but guaranteed a title shot, right? Uh, First things first, you do have to get past RDA, who's not going to sit there uh, and let you beat him. Um, RDA lately has been sort of almost unpredictable. We can't really predict what he's going to do because, you know, even in his last fight, we weren't expecting that RDA. Was he injured? Was something wrong, truly? Um, in terms of the way he competed. But this is a huge fight more for Kamaru while RDA has to protect um, his step on the ladder in the rankings. So I love this fight. I can't wait for it to go down. And depending on one, I think it's the tough finale, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I'll likely be seeing Kamaru soon enough in person um, in Florida uh, calling a Titan show. I'm just waiting for Titan to actually announce uh, the next show. But likely I'll be seeing Kamaru if he's not promoting the fight for the UFC. So it could get real interesting. Big opportunity, big fight for Kamaru Usman. I think he deserves it. I really think if they, if they, it, it leads me to believe they are, they are making Woodley versus Covington happen. Otherwise, Usman's fighting one of those two guys. His name is already in the conversation with them, so you might as well. Not only that, you had him weighing in to be the backup for one of these, for one of the guys at two twenty eight. So it just makes a lot of sense. And I like that he's getting that opportunity. And if he puts down RDA, there's no reason for him to not get a title shot unless GSP shows up, then maybe that's it. And that's just a financial reason. Uh, also back in the cage is old Giblert, Gilbert Melendez, writing a four fight losing streak since joining the UFC in 2012. He has won one fight. He fights one time a year. So when, when he got suspended for that, uh, testosterone the testosterone metabolites and they put him out for a year i'm like he's taking that anyway what are you talking about it's been a year since he's been in the cage he lost to jeremy stevens he's lost to barboza alvarez pettis ben henderson he beat diego sanchez in that fantastic fight he's gonna face arnold allen at ufc 232 that's in december what do you think of this matchup not the names that he's been getting uh, I think he's just fighting out the end of his contract. I think his heart is more is bigger than his what his jaw is going to be able to handle and what his body is going to be able to handle. So um, I, I, it's tough for me to see these guys that had you know that, that were huge back in the day start taking on these up and comers and be almost the torch passers for them. Uh, it'd be great to see Gilbert emerge victorious. Don't get me wrong; I'd love to see it because you know I go way back with Melendez, like way back. Um, but the reality is, Father Time starts catching up with everyone and. This is a situation where I, I wish he would hang up the gloves, but if he can get paid, technically not get hurt, and you get hurt in fighting, so be it. Get her done. But well, he missed uh, he missed a yeah. long time with that leg injury, but yeah. he got a fight of the night last time out. He, he he doesn't fight often, but he makes good money when he does fight, Joe. And he's facing a guy in Arnold Allen who's four zero in the UFC. You got to believe the UFC is hoping for an Arnold Allen like name maker here. Yeah, but. Knowing the UFC, they could be like, yeah, let's get Gilbert Melendez a win here and we can put him on a few more shows. But I think he'd be more inclined to go head over to a Bellator and see his familiar buddy, Scott Coker, who would love to give him six figures in some more fights. Yep. They'd love to have him fight a Pitbull brother or two. <laughs> That's a good point. Right? Very good point. Yep. He's also so, doing commentary for, for Combate America, so he could also probably help that organization build a bigger name for themselves. Although they just got their deal done with the zone as well. So 
be interesting to see what he did. He does decide to do once his UFC career uh, does come to an end, but he's got options. He's got tons of options and Japan's always an option for him as well. Yeah. They're probably paying him way too much. Like they do everybody, but um, Josh Barnett returning to MMA next year. It's a shame. This guy lost a couple years of his career for no reason. It's a little disappointing. It's a little sad. On the other side of the coin, Mauricio Verdum is suspended for another two years as it was revealed that he did kind of violate the rules. Since then, he got on Twitter and like shit talked Mark Hunt. And at this point, I'm like, no, God, you got to shut up. You got to shut your mouth at this point. You fucked up, guy. You can't do that. You don't have the ability to go online after you failed a test and trash Mark Hunt. It doesn't make sense. Josh Barnett, he has reason to be upset. Fabricio Verdum, you need to be a gracious, humble guy because you're an old dude, sure. But there's nothing. You can come back at 43. That can still happen in MMA. Mark Hunt's doing it. He can get a fight. What do you make of Josh Barnett's return and Verdum's suspension? Well, Josh Barnett, talk about a guy who's going to have tons of options. Everybody's going to want Josh Barnett to compete for their organization. I mean, that, that's just a fact. Um, he may not be the old Josh Barnett or the guy that vintage Josh Barnett, but he still brings in numbers. And I'll tell you, he is a huge, let me, re- let me stress that, huge favorite in Japan, and especially with the Ryzen staff, because he's got Ryzen, he's got fighters that compete in Ryzen. He comes there to coach. Trig and I are constantly dropping uh, Barnett-isms throughout the broadcast and we have, we have a running joke that every rise in broadcast has some sort of strange, weird theme, whether it's cats, whether it's cucumbers, whether it's vegetables, but almost every other fight we're dropping some sort of Barnettism in there because the guy is just beloved in Japan. And I think Ryzen would absolutely love to have him there, especially he says 2019. Uh, I'd like to see him on the new year's Eve show versus Fedor. If that could actually, or not Fedor, excuse me. Um, I would like to see that. Yeah, no, (laughs) That too. That too. There's options there. It's just a matter of what does he want to do. But he said 2019, uh, he's not going to stay. I guess he basically stated that he's not going to be exclusive to one promoter. And he could probably hold that card, right? Yeah. Promoters will try and do otherwise a two or three fight deal. But yeah, I'd love to see him come back. And the whole thing with USADA and him, um, it's crazy. As for Verdum, yeah, you, you... Fabrizio shouldn't be talking at all considering what's happened. And, you know, I feel so bad for Mark Hunt. It seems everybody he's ever fought has been on something. You know, it's just it like, that way. yeah, you feel so bad for the guy. But it, 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 it is what it is. And, and he's taking – and Verdum taking shots at Hunt. Can't, man. You can't. You just got to keep it, keep it down. Just keep it quiet and, and go about it a different way. Barnett's involved in a lot of different things right now. He does the New Japan commentary on Access. He may have worked himself into a match uh, with Jay White. Who knows how that, if that the, anything will come of that. Also, he's in movies here and there. He does his grappling. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Also, did you see where Sakuraba and Uriah Faber are going to face off in quintet grappling? I yeah. love that. That's going to be crazy. It's going to, I mean, I, listen, as, as old as Sakuraba is, I get it. Dude, fantastic, no matter what. And you know Uriah's going to have the speed in that exceptional grappling battle. Don't kid yourself. You know, Uriah can grapple. He's fantastic. probably got the strength advantage, too. <laughs> right? 
So just stay away from some soccer, soccer elbows and knees. Feel bad for the See, guy. That's harmless fun. I can yeah. deal with that. The grappling stuff, I can deal with that. Sakuraba's not going to get knocked out or anything like that. So I'm I'm very happy to see that. Uh, Holly Holm has surgery. She is out till 2019. Really, when you get to this point in the year and somebody doesn't have a fight scheduled, you just kind of assume they're out until 2019 anyway, right, Joe? Pretty much, yeah. It sucks that she's going to be out. But, yeah, it's when, when, when fighters don't have boats coming up, uh, and they haven't competed in a while, something something is awry. It, it could be an injury, it could be surgery, it could be family thing, it could be something. But, yeah, I just wish she would come back. She, she'd be such a, a great infusion uh, into the women's division. Although every time she competes, she draws massive eyeballs. So, USADA spokesman said that they have not accepted any payoff for the resolution of the John Jones case. Keep in mind, we are about six weeks away from UFC in Madison Square Garden, and we don't have a main event announced. Now, I just want to say, WWE usually doesn't announce their main events for shows until like two or three weeks before. They already have a main event for their November pay-per-view. UFC doesn't have one for theirs. Do you think these two situations are related? It, It stemmed from a Colby Covington interview where he suggested that they that UFC paid off USADA. That's not something that really happens, guys. UFC can just tell USADA to piss off. I mean, they they don't have to abide by anything, to be honest with you. They opt to, and they've stuck to that thus far, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, are these potential situations related? They can be. Uh, you know, you never say never. Uh, I, I do kind of appreciate you 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 had a little bit of smug in your face when you were saying that there was a potential payoff or a non-payoff or a payoff or something so um i again you know it sean i'm the wrong guy to ask for these types of conspiracy theories or situations i can't see it happening uh i can see someone being stupid and sarcastic and saying hey want some money make this go away i can see that happening did it happen yeah probably not but what do you think I think the only fight big enough that they can put on in that amount of time is maybe put Gustafson and Jones in there. And I don't think they're accepting any payoffs. I just think that given the substance and all that stuff, I think, I mean, I think two years is ridiculous anyway, to be honest with you. I think 15 months, 18 months, whatever is is fine. Meh. But, I mean, I get it. That's to dissuade people from doing it. But, man, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Also, uh, <laughs> Eric Anders replaces Jimmy Manoa to face Tiago Santos at UFC Sao Paulo. I like Eric Anders, but an already, like, slim show gets slimmer. You got two middleweights fighting at light heavyweight. And this is why you put more than one big fight on a show. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the show isn't bad. It's got names on it, right? It like, does. I, mean, got, I know Lil Nog isn't a name we want to hear about, but you know, you still got old. You know, you got Burrell. I'm sorry, old Burrell. Burrell. Mm-hmm. Hayden Burrell. Cow- Cowboy Oliveira. Yeah. Charles Oliveira's on there. Charles yeah. Oliveira, Evan Dunham, Trinaldo's a good scrap. So there's some okay belts there, right? Saunders Morass is a great fight. Hector Lombard Thales Latis is a great fight, but they're not fights that, again, we, we all, I'll always go back to the relevance. What. What is like? What kind of relevance does this fight actually have to the division? People want to care about the fights, not just see fights in general. In my opinion, 
Like, I want to be, uh, there needs to be something behind the fight for me to actually want to sit there and be like, okay, I got to watch this. I got to watch this fight because there are consequences for the loser. There's something big for the winner. This is huge. There's nothing, really. Well, you're going to be watching this show until about 2 in the morning. The main card doesn't get started until 10.30 p.m. Eastern because they felt the need to put 14 fights on this show. That's a thing you do on amateur cards because you know that half the people won't show up to weigh-in day and all the fights will fall out, so at least you still have 9 or 10. 14 fights. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Eric Perez is headlining a Combate Americas card. We don't really have to go through that. But King Mo versus Liam McGeary added to Bellator Hawaii. What do you think of Bellator heading to Hawaii? Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, the whole reason, uh, well, there's two potential reasons why the UFC has never gone to Hawaii. A, the tax situation is apparently egregious. Like, it's crazy out there. And a real venue. Now, venue-wise, um, I've been to Hawaii uh, when I was part of TKO back, or UCC actually back in the day. Um, they've got a great venue that you could have a fight night in. In terms of a big pay-per-view, uh, they do have them, but the ta- I mean, you're not going to have an outdoor show in Hawaii. I don't care what anyone says. That is just still, no matter what, way too risky. I would not – I mean, if I'm if I'm the UFC and I've got a plan – I've got a decision to make, I'm not ever holding an outdoor show because you can put all the promotion you want around it. Mother Nature will give you the two birds and say, uh-uh, not today, son. Um can so the fact that Bellator is going to Hawaii, I wonder what kind of deal they may have struck with the venue, with the government, or anything of that nature. Because you know, it's not like Hawaii needs tourism, right? They don't need any re- people. Don't need a reason to go to Hawaii. It's it's a beautiful island, or the islands are beautiful in general. But big fights out there, why not? People will travel, especially on the on the uh, west coast, right? So. Uh, kudos to Bellator for pulling this off. It'll be interesting to see how they pull it off and if we can sort of get some information on what kind of deal was structured with them, the venue, um, the state commission, and just in general. So good for them. Good for them. Johnny Hendricks, shortly after his retirement, has announced that he will face Brennan Ward in a bare-knuckle boxing match. Okay. Yeah. Why? Okay, money, that's why. That, I mean, that's the yeah. only reason why. It's the only reason why. Let's get into this UFC Moscow show. I did a quick wrap-up on it uh, last week, and when some, some YouTube troll said, you're only reading Bloody Elbows Report. And I'm like, you know, we have a site, <laughs> right? Like, we watch the same show. <laughs> I've broken fights down for a long time. I don't need Bloody Elbow to do it. Uh, as much as I respect them and like them, I have a lot of friends that work there, but... I was like, that's such a weird accusation. It's about the same show. Alexi Olenek defeated Mark Hunt, Joe. How did Mark Hunt lose? By a choke. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> this was the culmination of so many running gags on our show. I died and you sent that tweet up though. I died. <laughs> I was like, first of all, when the, when the choke happened, I'm like, no, no, no. Eat <laughs> all things. And I went on a tirade last show because, uh, you know, James and yourself were doing this, saying that, blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, when's the last time Mark Hunt got choked? Never. Not going to happen. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, well. See ya. So Alexei Olenek wins. He is now, he's won four of his last five. He's won six of his last eight. And before he got to the UFC, I think he won nine fights in a row, including a win over Mirko Krokop. I know a lot of people don't look at that and say, wow, that's something. I do, because I watch all of Mirko Krokop's fights. And Joe, who is beating Mirko Krokop these days in combat sports, for better or for worse? I would say pretty much nobody. Pretty much nobody except for Alexi Olenek and maybe Remy Bojanski in a kickboxing fight years ago. Like, that's really it. So he is somebody who I think is, despite the fact that he's 41, is a bit of a threat to anybody. Why is that? Well, say a Curtis Blades takes him down and gets in half guard. You're not safe. You're not safe from this guy. Maybe you're in a Linux guard. You're not safe. You don't have to worry about a triangle. What what happened? You got to keep your posture up. Because if you keep your posture down, he's going to slap one that Ezekiel choke. He is a very, very scary threat. And you know that, I mean, I know that Curtis Blades took him to task and beat his ass, but you just never know when he's going to pull this out. And a little bit under the radar, but four performance of the night bonuses for this guy too. So he's raking in the cash. This year, he's making some good money. But uh, Alexi Olenek, man, he has like six different ways to spell his name and six different ways to tap you out from his back and guard. And if you're in mount. I mean, the guys choke guys out in that yeah. mount. So it, it leads me to always believe exactly what type of squeeze this guy has. And if anyone's ever uh, studied anything, um, you know, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu and Eddie Bravo and – the squeeze drills and, and, you know, even Henzo Gracie and I uh, had talked about the squeeze drills and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze. You probably know about it as well, Sean. Mm-hmm. Squeezing is it, it's, it's not just, a, it's not an art, it's a science. Like you have to be able to build not just the strength in your squeeze, but to be able to hold that pressure. Yeah. If you can measure the pressure in your squeeze and be able to hold that squeeze for an extended period of time, it says a lot. The more you practice it, the more you drill it, the stronger your squeeze should get. This guy must have a ridiculous squeeze because, I mean, yeah, his nickname is the bull for, for yeah, a reason, bull bull for reason, right? But you take a look at what this guy, you know, I remember back in when I, when I was a white belt and somebody mounted me and got too close to me, I went in for an Ezekiel and had my, my instructor say, no, 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 you don't do it there. You don't do it there. It's, it's just bad technique, right? And I'm like, he's going to have to defend himself. And we always taught not to do it. Then you see it in high-level mixed martial arts, Sean. Yeah. You're like, 
I got to work on that. There were a few wonky things on this show, but uh, yeah, I remember uh, one of my first teammates, Kyle, would always do the old squeeze drill on his knee and yeah, his leg. Stone Osborne just mentioned it on the chat. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did. Yep, yeah, it works. It works. Mark Hunt, on the other hand, has lost four or essentially four of his last five. He got beat by Lesnar as well. But he's a guy you can always throw on the show, Joe, no matter what. And he says, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave. Bob. I don't think he's leaving. I don't think he's leaving. What? So he can fight people that are, are on steroids? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, he's got such a no win situation, that poor guy. Honestly, man, it, it, it breaks my heart for to, to see the stuff that he's had to go through, but he's just so lovable, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, uh, operates in a different frequency. Ooh, that's let true. Me tell you, I've had my interviews with Mark Hunt, and I'm like, well, I'm going to change the tone of this interview. And because I don't know if he's getting spiritual on me, I don't know where he's going with this, but I'm just going to be very frank, direct, ask the question, get my answer. Talk to you later. Speaking of being frank and direct and getting answers, I want you to answer this for me, Joe. Oh, jeez. Please tell me, Joe, what the fuck am I looking at right here? Ladies and gentlemen, anytime you see fighters in this position, Sean Ross Sapp will lose his freaking marbles because that, yes, the rage, the blood pressure, the boiling point of Sean Ross Sapp is when anybody decides to hang on to a guillotine with their opponent on the ground that ends up in side control and they remain in that position and they hold it. To make things absolutely worse, there's probably two things that can make it absolutely worse. A, if it's an opponent of OSP and they remain in that position, knowing OSP will strangle you to sleep. B, if it's a former opponent of OSP that still hasn't learned his lesson. And I, I was ready to let it go, Joe. After all that Krylov has done since then, I was ready to let it go. Even if he had lost this fight, I was ready to let it go. Because I always say, well, I always say it, Joe. How seriously can I take a guy who gets tapped by a Von Flew choke. How seriously can I take a guy that held on to a guillotine while OSP had him inside? Now, since then, I said this on the recap, since then, OSP has perfected it to where if you give him an inch, he takes a mile. That was not the case in 2014 when Krylov did this, Joe. Krylov held on to it for like 40 seconds back then. And he does it again here for some reason. Blahovich didn't capitalize on it. It didn't much matter because he mollywopped Nikita Krylov on the ground. Who are the people that Nikita Krylov has been training with since March 15, 2014? Because this has happened in training. There's no way it hasn't. If it happened in this fight, there's no way that four and a half years later, after all these fights, it hasn't happened. So now, here's what I'm doing if I'm any UFC light heavyweight. I'm giving, giving Nikita <laughs> Krylov my head. Oh, wow. I'm doing the old Kurt Angle and the match with Randy Orton where you're like, here, put a, put a fucking headlock on me, homeboy. <laughs> Do it. And then I'm going to sweep him, take side, throw that arm underneath, that forearm underneath, put the bicep down. I remember the first time that happened, Joe. 
I held onto a guillotine choke on my catch wrestling, uh, my catch wrestling coach, uh, Brandon McSuplex. And he made my eyes practically pop out of my friggin' skull. And you know how many times I've done that since then? None, Joe. Not one. Not one. That is embarrassing. It is, and I, I will bitch about it until I don't see it anymore. This is unbelievable. As Stone Osborne said, that's white belt shit. It's it's beyond white belt shit. Like, you should learn that before they even hand you a gi. <laughs> like, you should learn that when you go in there and you say, what is this? I'll try this. Before you even commit to the, the, the monthly deal at your local jiu-jitsu or wrestling gym, you figure that out. Whoo, boy. Meanwhile, Jan Blahovic looked really good. He wants a title shot. 35 years of age, has won four fights in a row. Joe, this was a guy who a year and a half ago we were talking about on this podcast when he got beat by Patrick Cummins, and we're like, is this it for him? Yeah. Is he done? But he had lo- here's the guys he lost to. Patrick Cummins, Alexander Gustafson, Corey Anderson, Jimmy Manoa. Those are some mainstays in that top 15, some in the top five. Since then, he has beaten Devin Clark, Jared Cannonier, Jimmy Manoa, Nikita Krylov. Not like an oh, amazing resume or anything, but a, a pretty solid one, especially the win over Manawa. I'm liking him so far, and he's another guy. He's been making some damn money this year. Two performance of the night bonuses. And uh, gosh, I think he's probably cleared 250K this year, which, you know, should be more. It's the UFC, but, you know, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, listen, good for him, man. Number four in the, in the light heavyweight rankings, calling out the champ. Uh, I think everyone at light heavyweight wants to keep Daniel Cormier uh, active because they all want that shot at the belt. But when there's a two-division champ and uh, there's a potential fight with Brock Lesnar in the making, yeah, you know, it's going to be difficult. So um, it's weird that we don't want champions to hold up divisions, but here's another champion that's holding up technically two divisions right now if that Brock fight doesn't happen anytime soon. So uh, good for Jan. Let, I think it's a great scenario. Um, I, I'd like to see him fight either Latifi, to be honest with you. Um, that's a scrap and a half. I, I, listen, he's he's come back from adversity. He's come back from you know, that that downswing in his career, and I think he's doing absolutely great. And you know, again, we also have to be careful. I know I say this sometimes. I get a little bit of heat for it. You know, we have to sometimes look at every fighter's victories and consider the opponent. Yeah. Okay? We shouldn't blow this too far out of proportion because it is Nikita Krylov who hasn't been in the UFC mm. for a long time, who left the UFC so he can make a comeback, he said. He's got 30 fights, though, man. Yeah, I know. You're right. Yep. 30 fights. That's a lot. I mean, he is the same guy that dressed up as Al Capone for a yeah. shirt dog picture. So, yeah. what do you expect, really? But I, let me ask you this, though. Like, DC himself, like, how. Like if there's a there's lots of fighters in the UFC I love to see compete. That there's there's oh my god there's dozens. But how bad do you want to see DC compete again? I do. I like want to see big time, man. Man, I hate how much time. Of, I wish DC would have gotten into MMA so much sooner. Yeah. It's just, gosh, we lost so much out of him for those years. Other stories in this show: Hustam Habilov defeated Cajun Johnson. It was a controversial decision. It was very close, but. Man, you got to feel for Cajun Johnson. Last fight on his contract, UFC doesn't like him anyway. 
They put him in with two killers in Makachev and Habilov, and then he does well enough, I think, to stick around. Do you think he gets another fight? No, I don't think he does. I think they're, uh, they, they've been waiting for this. He's even publicly admitted it. Uh, again, never say never because, you know, sometimes things can change, but um, I, I don't think he, he, they're going to want him to stay because of the whole union situation and how he wants a union to take place or some sort of fighters association. Uh, the only issue that I have is that he hasn't really built a strong enough name for himself mainstream-wise to garner a large enough paycheck from other organizations, which I'm sure he's going to chase. Uh, and I don't blame him, but um, I, I don't see the UFC saying, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll resign you the fact, you know, the, your last two fights you did really, really good. And you know, I, I think he's he's more of a pain for them um, than somebody they want to keep around. Ankalaev's head kick over Protnio, that was incredible. That's worth going out of your all's way to see. <clears throat> but the person who impressed me the most on this show was Jordan Johnson at middleweight. And James Lynch told us about how Jordan Johnson thought they were trying to set him up to lose. Yandiv hadn't fought in three years, but I don't care, man. As I said on the recap show, you see that red, white, and blue outline of America tattooed on somebody's shoulder, you better bring your wrestling game because they sure as hell are. He landed this, this arm triangle choke from across the body that was really, really good. There was another one. Uh, the Blahovich twin, like on Krylov's side, like it was just these arm triangles were beautiful. But Jordan Johnson is somebody that people need to watch out for in the middleweight and the light heavyweight division. He's now four and zero. He finally got a finish. He was three and zero at light, light heavyweight and then jumped down. Yeah, he's a beast, man. He's another guy that's got a probably pretty good squeeze if you think about it. Now he did destroy Adam like in that towards the end of that first yeah. round, right? Like it was, it wasn't even pretty. They got to the second round, and you can see um, Yandia just oh, coming out of the corner and saying, "Oh, this is gonna suck." And it wasn't even a takedown to get that fight to or the fight to the mat. It was more or less, hey, "I'm just gonna bump into you. We're gonna fall down to the ground, and I'm gonna continue putting on the barrage here." So uh, Jordan Johnson put on one heck of a performance, big time. And you know, he could have got performance of the night or something, but didn't. Let's talk about the most cringeworthy moment of the night. No oh boy. Murta Zalaev just beat the brakes off of CB Dalloway. CB Dalloway wasn't like in over his head or anything. It was a competitive back and forth fight, but the ground and pound that went on for about 20 seconds too long. You had Paul Felder yanking his headset off, screaming at Herb Dean to stop the fight. I generally like Herb Dean's refereeing, and I don't remember too many situations like this that were too bad. But this is one of the all-time worst, in my opinion. You see Dalloway right after the round just curled up, just beat to death, Joe. What did you think of this when you saw it? Oh, very difficult uh, to absorb and digest. I mean, a fighter is doing this. That's your that's number one that you need to start paying attention. If a fighter is doing this, especially after he's already taken some punishment, when a fighter immediately on the ground starts doing this, you are, in my opinion, as a referee, uh, and it's something that we were taught with Big John's course, um, you go into high alert. Defense and intelligent defense are not the same. Yes. You you go into high alert and you, you start getting closer, get into position to stop the fight because the fighter can defend himself. That is fine. But if a fighter is staying like this for way too long and he's not intelligently defending himself, 
you make the call on behalf of the fighter. You make the call because there are fighters out there, C.B. Dalloway is one of them, that may not quit. On that evening, he was not going to quit. He looks to the referee. And Big John will tell you this to your face, to put a microphone in front of him. There are going to be times when there's an unwritten code when the fighter will look to the referee to stop the fight. That was a perfect example of a fighter who did not want to continue, who didn't have enough, but whose heart would always say, I'm not tapping out. I'm not going to eat any more punishment. I'm just going to cover up and hope that the referee stops this. And that was the opportunity for Herb Dean to step in there and stop it. He, I, I, I don't know why he chose to let it go to each their own. I get it, whatever, but it was too dangerous. And then afterwards, when the fight came to, um, when the when the round came to an end, I felt like Herb got a little too aggressive with not just CB Dalloway, but his corner. Like the reason CB Dalloway is in that position right now on his knees, completely just discombobulated with anything in terms of being awake, was because of you. Now you're asking him to get up, get up, get up. Are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Well, that's because of you, technically speaking. If you'd have just stopped it when you know the fighter wanted to stop it, stop the fight. So um Listen, Herb Dean's a fantastic ref. Let's just not kid ourselves here. But in that situation, he was incorrect. Reminder, guys, you all can check out my UFC rankings update breakdowns on FightfulSelect.com. Just $5 a month gets you that. Gets you tons of podcasts. The Weekender Podcast, 205 Live NXT Review, two dark match commentaries a month. Uh, The Q&A show that I drop every other week, that's coming this week as well. Uh, we have uh, the If It Were Work, If It Were Shoot podcast. That's a little bit of UFC content as well. Our members-only podcast archives, which really don't get old because we talk uh, to people about evergreen stuff. Our monthly retro review. Also, you get all kinds of other perks as well. Just head over to FightfulSelect.com. Check it out. We have a lot of neat stuff over there. Let's talk UFC Sao Paulo. Reminder, we are covering it next week on this show with Joe and James Lynch. Main event, Tiago Santos, Eric Anders, 205. But neither one of these guys are light heavyweights. This is really just a thrown-together main event. But I got a lot of respect for Eric Anders, who is a guy who, if he pick and chose his fights, could be on some kind of trajectory, I think. But he is the opposite of that. He is already quickly establishing himself as the 185-205 Donald Cerrone, he'll fight anybody. He doesn't care when it is. Short notice, cool. Brazil, cool. Whatever. I think that Tiago Santos may be a little much for him to overcome, but what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I mean, especially with the short notice. I mean, Eric Anders should be commended. The guy's nuts. Uh, There's difference. I mean, you can be nuts and just fight anyone, anytime, get that paycheck, but now you're going down to Brazil, which is like the ultimate hostile territory, and taking on a Brazilian in the main event. Like, dude, you are crazy. Like, whew, all right, get her done. Let's do it. And and But risk versus reward, right, Sean? You want to have some great reward, you got to take great risks. So uh, if Eric Anders can pull this off, I'm pretty sure a lot of people will be smiling ear to ear with this one. Oh, yeah. And if he can do it at 205, that might make him change his mind about 185. Santos has had about a month more preparation. That's why I'm going with him. But I, I get the feeling that UFC probably wants to see Eric Anders win. We have Alex Oliveira and Carlo Pedersoli. Uh, Pedersoli, a prospect of sorts. Alex Oliveira, he's just one of those guys that can throw on shows like this. But 
any idea how this or the random Marcos Marina Rodriguez fight go? A couple of people ranked 13 uh, 14 facing unranked, kind of, sort of, I don't want to say unproven, but kind of unknown commodities. Well, Pertusol is 11 1. Right. So yeah. he, he's been around. He, he's, he's competed a while. He's like on a crazy win streak right now. Um, you know, his last fight was against Bradley Scott and split decision. But it is Cowboy Oliveira. He's <laughs> crazy. He's nuts. Yeah. He's a fantastic fighter. But again, risk versus reward. If Carlo can pull this off, you got yourself a pretty, pretty impressive contender here at 12 and 1. That is true. And he's only fought in the UFC once. I mean, he was in. He was fighting for Cage Warriors as recently as five months ago, I believe. And he's fought a lot. He's fought like this will be his fourth fight since last December. So he's he's in there a lot. Sam Alvey against Antonio Rogerio Noguera. You want to know what I think the most interesting stat of this is? That Lil Mog actually got a fight? Well, that too. All right. It hasn't happened yet. But. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Alvey's 16th fight in the UFC. It'll be his 45th fight that we know about again uh, in his pro career. This doesn't include the ultimate fighter. He has no fights in Las Vegas. Really Isn't that wild to think. Yeah, he had he did fight in Las Vegas on tough, but he has never had a professional MMA fight. In Vegas. That's wild to think. If you've been around the UFC for four and a half years and you fought 16 times. Yeah. I mean, this is his second in Brazil. He's fought in Brazil and Australia. He's fought in both of those twice. Mexico twice. Canada twice. He fought in Poland. Never in Vegas. Uh, I think Sam Alvey's going to win this because Sam Alvey just seems to find a way to win at all all times. Uh, well, I don't think we would ever accuse Sam Alvey of having incredible speed. <laughs> I think he's faster than Lil Nog. Lil Nog, uh, you know, back in the day had some fantastic boxing. Uh, was always considered a better boxer technically than his older brother, or than his bro- twin brother, excuse me. Um, but Sam Alvey, in my opinion, will land that left hand and, and will drop Lil Nog and, and TKO him. And I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but as long as he's careful, if this thing goes down to the ground, keeps his limbs in check and uses that ground and pound, you're right. I think he does emerge victorious. And and. He's a guy that has power. May not have speed, but you know he's a favorite at minus three twenty-five in this. So I think he emerges victorious. Andre Ewell against Henan Barral. Look how far we've come. Henan Barral's lost four. Maybe a certain testing implementation that happened, but he was once thirty-one and one. This was a guy who had just three years, but now he just can't win. And I think they're putting him in here against a debuting Ewell as like, hey, if this guy beats Burrell, good for him. If Burrell wins, all right, we can we can keep putting him on shows like this. Yeah, we apologize for the freezing of the feed, guys. If you're not seeing it, uh, it'll just continue to come back on. Um, it, it, it's, it is one of those things, Sean. You're right, how the mighty have fallen, right? This is a former world champion uh, that's now taking in a guy who's making his, his debut, technically, right? Like, it's just, it's sad to see, but it is what it is, and you just got to continue fighting. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is truly um, about Hayden Burrell, but, you know, 
used to be one of my favorite, most exciting fighters to watch because he could end a fight in the blink of an eye whenever he wanted to. Um, now it's just, you know, I, I don't know what it is. If it's the father time thing, if it's the whole, you know, the rust, not the rust, excuse me, the, the mileage that he's taken over the years, especially training where they train. Right. So that's, that's not probably not going to do bode well for a lot of fighters, but in his prime, he was just unbelievable right now. It's collecting paychecks. Let's talk about maybe in less detail, some of the other interesting fights, Charles Oliveira on the prelims. I'm excited to see him. You have uh, a light heavyweight fight, Ryan Spawn, Luis Henrique. Light heavyweights got into a pretty much heavyweight territory for me where almost any fight that they have, I'm paying attention to for better or for worse because it's so thin there. Speaking of, Augusto Sakai and Chase Sherman, that's a heavyweight fight that you got to kind of pay attention to as well. Women's flyweight is in that discussion for me too because you have a Jillian Robertson, Canadian, so probably... Your girl <laughs> taking on Mayra Bueno Silva. You also have uh, Renata Souza against Alex Chambers. You know, Souza had a nice run in Invicta. But even beyond that, there there's like Sergio Marias and Ben Saunders. There's Talis Latas in his retirement fight against Hector Lombard, who they want to get a win. You have Trinaldo against Dunham. You have Zaleski Santos, Zaleski Santos in action as well. There's some decent fighters on this prelim show, Joe. Yeah, that's what I was saying early on in the show. There's some good scraps here. Um, quality names that hardcore mixed martial arts fans, uh, or just MMA fans in general, will know, will recognize, will will pay attention to. They just don't have that relevance for the various divisions that we all want to say, hey, you know what? Let's pay attention to this. So it's going to be, you know, and the time that the event is on is going to be a challenge for most people to be watching, but yeah, there's some fun scraps here. I mean, Dallas Latis, we never want to hear a fighter say that he's retiring and then fight one more time. It always feels like he's got one foot out of the cage already. Um, but he may want to go out, guns a-blazing, on a sword, get her done, right? So and against Hector Lombard, you know, Hector Lombard fights slowly, but he's very, very explosive. So remains to be seen how that one's going to go. Jillian Robertson, Canadian, the odds of me mm-hmm. going against a Canadian are very, very rare. Uh, so I'll also, I'll obviously be rooting for her. Um, but yeah, there's some good scrap out there. I mean, Evan Dunham, who's always been taller than I've always imagined because I've met him <laughs> so many times and I'm like, you don't seem that tall until I'm looking up and going, Jesus, you're tall. Uh, and Trinaldo, that's going to be a good scrap. So yeah, there are some really good fights here. Yeah. The Trinaldo Dunham one is kind of flown under the radar and I'm excited about that again, guys, we will have coverage of that this or next Tuesday as, uh, I will be out of, out of my office Saturday night, but We'll talk a little bit about it. Joe, did you get to catch the Triple G Canelo fight or any highlights or anything related to it? Yeah, I saw the highlights. I have it recorded. I want to watch it, but I heard it was absolutely amazing. Phenomenal fight. Uh, Sometimes I forget how much of a freaking wizard Carlos Toro is with boxing coverage. But, I mean, he's another guy who went the same route as I did, and he started to train so he would have that credibility. I think that lends so much. And he, if you all haven't watched the Triple G Canelo post show – you owe it to yourself to at least check it out. It's worth a watch. And, of course, we have lots of MMA exclusives over at FightfulMMA.com. Give it a look and check out FightfulSelect.com. I'm going to be adding more combat sports coverage up there. Maybe some alternate commentaries on some MMA fights, things like that. So make sure you all check that out. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. 
Maybe we'll, we'll embrace your topic. James will be back next week. But, Joe, what do you got going on this week? I Before we go, I mean, Mara Romero Barella gets 26-year suspension by the Italian Anti-Doping Agency. I want to get – Unbelievable. I want to get your opinion on why it wasn't 25 years and it was 26 years. Because her name is hard to pronounce. <laughs> it's <laughs> Mara Romero Borella. It's way too hard. 26-year suspension. She Personally, can't even go into gyms. I can't wait until she's 58 and she fights there. Yeah. I think she should. <laughs> I think she should go there when she's 58 work a fight, get suspended again, and tell them to piss off. I mean, hey, it's because she's competed in the UFC and all this stuff while she was already suspended, but she was charged with selling cannabis and cocaine at sporting events and stuff like that, but and distributing drugs at her gym. So uh, deserved, I would say. Sure, yeah, don't let her, don't, don't do that. Maybe. My God. Yeah. Have you ever seen Half-Baked? No. (laughs) I always go back to the Dave Chappelle thing where he's eating ice cream and he's talking to this girl whose dad is in jail for weed. It's like for five years. And he goes, five years just for weed? (laughs) I'm just thinking about that. I'm like, 26 years for weed? Yeah. It's It's Well, the Coke's there, but at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I don't get it. Just the number made. The suspension was just like, what? But 26 years. Not yeah, 25, man. not 20, not 30, 26. Uh, how did they come up with that number? Those but- are the breaks. <laughs> hey guys, let everybody know that you like to fight for MMA podcast. If there was a talking point that you enjoyed. Hit us up on Twitter so we can retweet it. Spread the word about the Fightful MMA podcast. Our combat side is still growing. And let us know what you want us to talk about. Until next time, follow him at Showdown Joe. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful MMA. We are out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.